no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. Welcome to Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. It is easy today to be a prophet. There are so many signs and so many events of the world. To be able to predict the plans of evil and the designs of God, it does not take much. But 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it was a lot more difficult when things were going well. Tonight we want to share with you an encounter with a friend of Medjugorje from June the 23rd, 2008. A friend of Medjugorje touches very heavily on the education system. With everything that's so evident now with colleges and the school systems, it's easy to see the evils of that current system. But what you're going to hear a friend of Medjugorje speak about comes as a result of his knowledge and his education in the messages. And through that calling and that vocation of the messages to which he has given his life to, he has been ahead of the curve on many, many things. And tonight's broadcast is evidence of just one more truth, that the closer we stay to Our Lady and to the messages, the more we will see things that other people cannot see. And so here is a friend of Medjugorje, June the 23rd, 2008. My lady gave a message in the earlier days of Medjugorje, that, uh, June 9th, 1984. And she said, pray dear children tomorrow night. Pray for the spirit of truth, especially from the parish, because you need the spirit of truth to be able to convey the messages just the way they are, neither adding anything to them or taking anything whatsoever away from them, just the way I said them. This is a strange message because Our Lady says you need the Spirit of Truth to convey the messages. The messages are so simple. They're so straightforward. Why do we need to pray for the Spirit of Truth? 
to convey them. Maria receives the message. She hears them audibly. She also hears them interiorly. She hears them in a way that are much more profound than my voice comes to you at this moment. When she hears the word love, they feel love. If they see a cry, then they feel what cry means. I think it was Yvonne who said that, or maybe Mariana, if you saw a lady cry, you'd never want to sin again. So they feel this. So it's not just an audible thing to hear. But yet, what the visionaries get from many times we've been with Maria, even in our home, when she gets the 25th message, she writes these messages down just the way they are. I've been with her several occasions where this happens. And she goes into a separate room. We sit down. I pray while she writes. And she writes down exactly what she heard. And yet our lady says you need the spirit of truth to convey them. What does this mean? So we have a, an understanding of Medjugorje and the messages that many people don't grasp. That why would you need the spirit of truth just to repeat something? Neither add anything to them or take it away. You don't really need a spirit of truth to copy a paragraph. So Maria may receive them there. You may say, okay, she might need the spirit of truth to convey them to remember it. But do I need the spirit of truth to sit there and read a message and turn around and read to you? What I need the spirit of truth? I just read you the message. These are all these words. Pray for the spirit of truth because you need the spirit of truth to be able to convey the messages just the way they are neither adding anything to them nor taking anything whatsoever away from them but just the way I said them. She says it like three times. She's meaning don't add anything or take anything away. So why do I need the spirit of truth to just read you what I said? I don't need the spirit of truth to do that. I simply don't need that because I can repeat that. So this opens the door to something else our lady is saying. Meaning that when she gives a message it's not just what she wants conveyed, the words, word for word. There's more to these words, there's more to these messages than just repeating them. They mean something else besides that. And you need the spirit of truth to understand that. And so Our Lady speaks to you as an individual on the 25th of the month. Wednesday will be the 25th of June. She'll give a message. She'll repeat exactly what Our Lady said, and you'll read exactly the words. But to understand the spirit of truth of the messages is a whole different thing. Because six and a half billion people will receive this message. This message received for you needs the spirit of understanding what that message means. So in other words, out of six and a half billion people, it's going to say something different to you than it will to me. Because our lady's messages have that profoundness. She says, you must pray to understand and comprehend the profoundness of Our Lady's messages. The profoundness of Our Lady's messages is that they have the ability to speak to my daily situation. Your daily situation. Your daily situation changing through five times through the day. The same message can speak to you five different ways. That's the spirit of truth she's speaking about. Now, in that spirit of truth, you can't add to that. A rationalization of the message. So that's the most fundamental thing to understand first about the messages. Because when you hear people say, I know you're just saying the same old thing. And I've heard this from many priests mostly. Our lady is just repeating the gospel. Yeah, it's an echo of the gospel, but she's not just repeating the gospel. She's given the scriptures life in a new way. In a way for us to understand that we can't 
as modern man understand a grasp. We've lost the spirit of truth. We've lost the spirit of the Bible. And that's why our age says, dust off your Bibles, read them. So, any talk about the message must start with this. So you have some kind of fundamental understanding of that. I know our basis for our ladies coming is mother. We can't accept father if we don't have mother. So we lost our faith in God, the Creator. And to regain that faith, we have to have mother. Our Lady says, she says, October 24th, 1988, she says, Your mother wants to call you to pray for the young of the whole world, for the parents of the world, of the whole world, so that they know how to educate their children and how to lead them in life and give good advice. Our Lady has shown us more and more that all the visionaries who planned the vocation all got married and had children. And so the basis of everything starts is that. Because the way we educate our children are what we expose them to. The influence we have on kids is, is much more than we think. We don't have a kid problem. We have a parent problem. And parents don't know how to educate their children. And because of that, they do things that maybe you might not want them to do, but because you lost the way or the spirit of truth, you find themselves getting in trouble. But the impact of how you educate your children imprints them. We've forgotten this. We think we can do anything as parents and not have some kind of profound effect on your children. Our Lady goes on in this message of October 24th, 1988. She says, where she said, educate your children, know how to lead them in life with good advice. And then, I didn't read this part, pray to your children, the situation of the young is difficult. Help them. Help parents who don't know how to give good advice. We have a whole system that is very difficult for me to give you in a talk to unravel of explaining the situation that we're in today. But the, the, the complexity of what we have with the youth and, the, and a general society is something that always comes back down to the parents. And, and you, the education system's messed up. The government's messed up. The entertainment system's messed up. It's all, it's all there. And so our lady's coming back to the fundamental. The fundamental thing is back to the parents. So when you have a youth problem, you have that because you've got an adult problem. Our lady said... On March 25th, 1997, ask of Jesus to heal your wounds, which you, dear children, during your life sustained because of your sins are the sins of your parents. Well, they gave this message that really was shocked by this. This is a profound message. So she's saying that the sins you've inherited from your parents. So a lot of what you complain about and what youth will grow up complaining about is their fault. Now, I point the finger at parents. Well, we lost the way. We lost the spirit of truth. We fell into things that we didn't know was bad. And so, we are in a system that we bought everything Satan was throwing. This place right now is where we were in the 50s. All of creation. There was a nun from Zagreb and a priest in Zagreb just the other day, and they're buying 200 IC4s. And 50, or the 150 IC4 
and 50 out of change of husbands. They're not the first religious that are coming here. Because the religious here see a very grave danger of television because they're just getting it in the last 10 years. They didn't have it just a few years ago. And while our religious and our lay people don't think nothing of it, they're very sensitive to what's about to happen to their culture. Divorce here just a few years ago was totally unheard of. It didn't happen. Before the war, there was no such thing as an orphan. They didn't have orphans here. I asked Maria, what did they do if somebody didn't have parents? They, they didn't do anything. The family lived right in the neighborhood. They took them. I said, what if there's no family? The neighborhood took them. The neighbor took the child. They're part of the, the little village there. It was inconceivable to send them off somewhere and have an orphanage. It didn't exist. Divorce didn't exist. So our lady says, the sins of your parents. Only in this way, dear children, Will you understand that the world is in need of healing of faith in God, the Creator? The society is built by the structures, many structures of Satan, to unravel this, to go back to a simple life. It's going to take 40 years. I believe our lady's going to be with us 40 years. We're 28 years now. That means we have 12 or so more years left. Why do I believe that? For many reasons, which I'm not going to go that direction. But I believe strongly that these daily apparitions will last for, the, for 44 years. They go past that as long as the visionaries live because they get an annual apparition, which I'm convinced they can't live without looking forward to something at least once a year. After having our lady with them for that long every day, there's no way they could not fall in despair. You can't see heaven in that kind of way and survive. So it's going to take 40 years in the desert to get us out of the situation we're in. And we're in a very, very bad situation. The whole system worldwide is so convinced that university education is something you've got to work for. You've got to put back for your children. You got to go. It's the worst thing you can do to your kids. The absolute worst thing to do to your children to send them to university. And some people might say, oh, I've done that. I'm planning that for my children. I can get a job. Forget it. They, statistically, they show that just a tradesman, just a person working with the hands, will make far more money in a, in a hand trade working with skills than a college graduate. The system is from the devil. My wife and I are in Washington last October with an organization called uh, FRC, uh, Family Research Council. Family Research Council was put together by a big organization, James Dobson, focused on the family. This organization is a watchdog for any laws that they try to take God out of school or anything that the American Civil Liberties Union had been fighting through the courts. They became their opposite. So whatever the ACLU has done in damaging society for the last 30 years, they're attacking with, with 350 attorneys and another thousand or so they have that, that will, will take pro bono cases. But the FRC had breakout sessions. We went to, to two of them. The days were spent just listening to talks and presidential candidates. But in these breakout sessions... One of them was about the universities. I knew it, but I was shocked at the statistics they gave. 95% of all professors are there for nothing more than to indoctrinate these youth to be tolerant of abominable lifestyles, of sin, and to degradate their mind. Nothing more. And maybe I'll go into that a little bit more in a minute. But... Our Lady said this first message, October 24th, 1988, 
Pray to children the situation of the young is difficult. Help them. Help parents who don't know who give bad advice. But preceding that, your mother will cause you to pray for the young children of the whole world, the parents of the whole world, so that they know how to educate their children. When you read that, the spirit of truth, yeah, educate, that means me teaching my children. But not only that, parents are saving to have their children educated by somebody else. The thing that's going to save America and has saved America, and the reason we are, are, are embedded with a lot of uh, strong values in America still going, even though the media shows just the opposite, is homeschooling. Parents are not trusting the education system, even in the primary schools or secondary schools, schools to educate their children. It's the parents' responsibility, and that's why homeschooling is exploding. And it's these youth who will save America. The state says they got more right to educate your children than you as a parent. We have given away our rights thinking and being educated ourselves that they have a right to do that. They don't. You, as a parent, have a fundamental right above anybody to educate your children or not to educate your children. It's your choice. If you don't want your children to go to school, that right is more important to be protected in society as a God-given right, not from government, not from the local council or, or school board. It's the parents' right that if they don't want their children to read, that they be able to have that right. You say, well, that's not, the, that's not the thing. It may not be the thing to do. But that right is far more important to be sacred and protected than the right for the state to take that child away and educate them because they're going to educate them worse than not reading. Far, far worse. We need to understand that parents don't know how to educate their children when they send them to a university or to a state school. We're waking up, especially in America. People are waking up. People will be waking up in Ireland. People are waking up in other countries. They're starting to wake up in Germany. The system is of the devil. It's satanic. One guy came here as a Protestant. I nurtured his conversion. I collaborated with Our Lady. I didn't push him. We've got a lot of experience in not pushing people. We'll kill them like we had y'all for the first four days. But we won't push them to convert. We'll put you in the environment where you can convert. But we won't force you in that. We let God do it. So he was pushed in this environment. Everything worked right. He converted to Catholicism. One year later, he said he's going to become a Catholic priest. He was Episcopalian, actually. He became a Catholic priest. I didn't see him after that for several years. I met him here. We was walking on the trail, and the, his, his whole air about him was different. He'd gone to the university and all this, and, and I said, well, I'm really happy to see you. You know, What are you doing as a priest to do the messages? He said, oh, I'm not into that. He said, I'm into Augustine, St. Augustine. You know, they go from the heart to the intellectual. We've got a system that the worst thing you can do is what our lady said here is don't know how to educate your children. It's your primary responsibility, our lady's showing us, to teach and educate your children. You might not be up for that. A lot of homeschoolers think they can't do this. And so they rely out of convenience or out of material things when the mom goes to, goes to work and let the school system all the way from kinder care start taking care of the kids. It seems so nice. And, and here, if you haven't gone through conversion, 
You may not understand that. You might think that I heard yesterday, well, you know, the, the daycare centers may be good. The daycare centers are not good. Better to be in poverty with mom at home than be just plain middle class with the kids out. I told the story many times in my talks, but it's worthy of, of a story to be telling now. My wife and I brought my son Joshua to Milan with Maria and her son McKelly. They're the same age. We were late for the apparition. We rushed back and we get there late. The kids are are not in any kind of mood to settle down for the apparition. Here it is. The mother of God's about to appear in Maria's house. This great moment. She's going to bless the world. I like to be reposed in the proper spirit. We kneel down. The kids aren't. They throw out a whole basket of toys right when the apparition starts. One little electronic toy starts playing happy birthday song. The balloons float through the apparition. There's nothing spiritual about it. This great moment where our lady comes to bless the whole day. And so that was my scruples. Because our lady's entered right into the family. She knows where we are. She understands children. So after the apparition, Maria says, the first thing our lady did in the apparition, she looks at the children in the corner and she smiles and blesses them. Not me. <laughs> she blesses them. You know, because little children are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're just innocent. I had all my criteria. I had everything right. You know, I had everything in order. And we're doing it. And I'm... So after the talk, Maria went on to say something profound. She says that sometimes when she's with, with McKelly by herself, nobody's there, that that our lady wants well she can't she doesn't know what's going on around her she's aware that Michaela's in the room or that you're there like yesterday but she can't see you she only sees our lady and so in this moment when she's seeing our lady she's not aware of what's going on well one time our lady had just come and Michaela starts pulling on her her sleeve like this and she said our lady immediately she couldn't feel it aware of it but she but are they immediately blessed? And then she went away, and then she feels that, and she realized why are they left her? Because are they just suddenly blessed the world? Because she blessed. That's why she comes every day. Is at least bless everybody in the world. So that just she stops what she's doing in the middle of her conversation, and just blesses like that, and she was gone. So she comes out of it to see she's feeling this, and she realized what had done. Our lady won't deny. The mother won't deny earthly mother the need of this child for 10 seconds. 10 seconds. For the most important thing in the history of the world. The first, Jesus Christ came as a Messiah. The second most important thing in the history of the world is the Virgin Mary and these apparitions today. It's happening right now. And that blessing that must be given to the world to keep us sustained through this 40 years or whatever time we have Ten seconds, this child will not be denied its earthly mother for that shorter time. And we put our kids in daycare. Think about that. That's a statement. Our lady says she wants us to remember everything she's said, but also done. So it's not just words, it's our actions. Now you can be hearing this, especially if you've got kids raised or you've messed up or they're gone and they're not where they need to be. We've all messed up. We've all messed up. And that's why God's sending the mother. Because she's come to teach us we've messed up. We can get depressed thinking about it. We can sit there and say we did the wrong things. We didn't know. 
because we're immersed like these people right now. They're completely immersed in TV. They're enraptured in it. Most of you on the other side of it realize that. They're just eating it up. I wrote in ICFAR the book about a lady who came past the mission house. I didn't give the details. But she went to Mass to pay a stipend for Holy Mass for a soap opera couple not to get a divorce. She believed this. They had completely end this, but yet we have TV affecting our thoughts the same way now. She didn't realize it's acting. And so we sit there and shocked at this, but at the same time, what has TV made us as a culture? What it is. It's defined the culture. It's easy to be good today. All you got to do is read the newspaper. Because wherever it is, you're, you're light years above that. But where you are, what were people 60 years ago? They'd be shocked at what you exposed are exposed to every day. Scripture says, don't set nothing defiled before your eyes. How many times we sit there and watch a movie? Okay, he says, okay. But the commercial's horrible. Or a sports event. What is all the commercials on a sports event about? Degradation. The deterioration of society. And yet we want our kids and wonder why they're doing something worse than what you're doing. The purity of what society is supposed to be is lost. If you look at Our Lady's words, there's words she's never said before. Our Lady's lips are so pure, she won't say that word. And she says, I want you to give up cigarettes. I want you to give up alcohol. She said that message. What goes, what, what's the three top things like that? The other words she won't even say. Because she's teaching us by not saying it. We talk too casually about too many topics. We can't listen to a lot of, a lot of preaching and pastors. Our children, because the whole subject matter is about abominable lifestyles. Why should we tear the innocence from our kids by they being involved in understanding this or learning this? Or even about this? So we pulled our television, we pulled the newspapers, we pulled every avenue that we even speak about this because we don't want our kids to be involved in this knowledge until they get of age that we've imprinted in them this is so alien. This is so foreign. They should be disgusted when they hear about it. I was just reading the point man got about Mary Magdalene's conversion. He says, I won't even talk about Leviticus. And he was to talk about abomination. Illicit unions. And Jesus conveyed that that topic is so, so wrong, I don't have to discuss it. It's so out of morality that there's no reason for me to even discuss this. We have a society today that's confused and mainly youth who are tolerable to this sin on a public basis. That, you know, maybe I'm not that way, but it's okay. You know, if that's the way they're going to be. Or I'm morally against it, but if that's what, who am I to say? This sin is the sin when God acts to purify society or the world. It's when he acted on Sodom and Gomorrah. It's when he's acting in other cultures. It was prevalent in Pompeii when it got destroyed. And throughout history, you don't have public acceptance of this sin without God correcting it. Because if God doesn't correct it, what happens? What's happening to us as a society today? We're deteriorating. And we're not going to change from that deterioration because there's more acceptance of this. We're going to deteriorate further. There's only one correction to this. It's God to take action. 
out of love. Because the human race is at risk. There's no procreation with this. There's pro-destruction. And while we're on the subject, I'll reason this out with you. The universities teach us, and in this breakout session we said that 95% of all the professors are for this and indoctrinating the youth mainly with this acceptance, public acceptance. It's one thing to be raised as a kid, adopted by two people of the same gender, and be warped and become something abnormal. But it's a whole nother subject, the public acceptance of this. And this is where the grave sin is. As we tolerate this without any indignation, without saying, I will not tolerate this on a public basis. And people say, well, what's our argument? If everybody's had any experience with computers, you can't work on your computer without something jamming up or messing up or causing a problem throughout the day. And often, as it is a character, because we're very, very computer-driven, very high-tech, even though we don't have TV in our homes, even though we have computers in our home, we're not scared of technology. We don't let it, we don't have cell phones. We use this stuff, but it doesn't use us. We manage it in a certain way, just within the mission framework alone. But we don't go throughout the day through constant, constant problems, and they have to be resolved or some kind of resolution to it. If you take the most basic cell that exists in creation, the most basic cell, and analyze this and blow this up to the size of New York City, you would see something so stupendous in its operation that you can't fathom that. It's two trillion actions in one single cell a second. There's no computer that exists that can do that. There's not a group of computers that exist that can do that. There's not even a computer that can be imagined that would be able to function that way. Even in the future with our technology, we don't have the capability to, to see that that can ever be done. One single cell, your, your body's made up of billions of cells. There's, there's trillions and trillions of cells out here around us. Innumerable. But one cell has two trillion actions a second. If you saw it and you walked up and it's big size in New York, you have little flaps open and closing. Taking in product and delivering product. You go inside, you see conveyors. Conveying raw product, being changed to another product. If you go inside farther, you'll see other chambers that have these little robotic figures making things that almost advanced robotic machinery that we have can't even duplicate. We was at Mercedes-Benz, which is an hour from where we live. We went to tour their plant, and the robotic things there are incredible. Every every Mercedes is so refined, it's a clone. The exactness of these bodies are less than the thickness of a magic marker's mark. Incredible robots, and, and these robots, these cells, are so much more advanced that we can't even conceive that. And then if you go on, you go through miles and miles and miles of chambers, all connected in within this one cell. And then you go to a, to another section of this, the stored data, the computer works of that, which is something far more that can't even be discussed. It can't be explained in its capability. And that one cell, two trillion actions a second, works flawlessly. 
flawlessly without one misstep. And you multiply that into an innumerable number all working flawlessly just in that leaf. And you tell me God says in scriptures that this is abomination of a sin and in professors are saying you can't discriminate against people like that because they're born that way. The God, the Creator, will sit there and say something to sin and then say he messed up so bad that they were born this way? Garbage. Garbage. It's easy to refute if you just reason and read the Scriptures. If God said it and that's truth, you can't say, oh, well, some people are born that way. They can't help it. This is a learned behavior. An abominable behavior. A behavior against natural law. And a behavior that's propagated by universities primarily in public acceptance. So I want to educate you a little bit just on that one subject. That this is a lie. Maria and I never discussed it. Two or three years ago she, she was asked about it and she says it's a lie of psychology. Now she sees the mother of God. So I'm just saying this because we've been so indoctrinated in society that people don't even know how to argue it back. And while our lady says, go into creation, you'll meet God the Creator. Is it possible for that Creator to do something and then say, oh, it's, you know, you know, a few million people turn out this way because they're born that way. This is total, total lie of the devil. And nobody's resisting it. And we're on the other side where we're trying to talk people out of it. And we accept public acceptance of this. Parents who do not know how to educate their children. You just tell your kids that. We've got youth now that cut and paste. In other words, they take a belief and they they accept that belief and this belief over here, they paste it on the page. They got that doctrine in them and this doctrine they've already pasted on another page contradicts each other. The Barner study shows, which I wrote in Look What Happened While I Sleep, and shows that this doesn't bother the youth. For me, it'd bother me if I said one thing and then contradict it with another belief. I, my beliefs got to fit together. Many of the youth have beliefs that contradict each other. And the Barnes study, when they when they show this contradicts with this contradiction, they laugh. So what? So we've got a culture birthed by us of not being the primary educators of the children by letting the system do that. And that system is totally underneath the hands of the devil. Totally. And you have been listening to A Friend of Medjugorje, June the 23rd, 2008. Continue to keep A Friend of Medjugorje and this mission in your prayers. And we will join you again next week on Medjinomics with A Friend of Medjugorje.